Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. May 7th, 2015. Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Joined by Christine Schackinger. Yay! Yeah, I got got it right this time. Yeah. (laughs) Sitting in for the indomitable Dave Davies, who is uh, dominably hanging out with his dad today. Yeah. I mean, like... Normally when Dave skips off, it's because he's like skiing and whistler or something. <laughs> this time he's hanging out with his dad, you know? We, we, you can't tease him for that. You can't. But we can tease him for every other time he takes off when he's just, you know, screwing off to whistler or something, right? <laughs> exactly. That we can tease him for. <laughs> but this time, you know, friends, don't send Dave all that nasty mail that you always send when he's away. or those horrible tweets no because this time he's hanging with his dad exactly i'll get behind that (laughs) okay christine thank you so much for sitting in um on 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 such short notice uh most most appreciated so it's been a great weekend in tech there's been a lot of interesting stuff happening um i think one of the more interesting things uh, and this you know this this may be uh, letting the audience know a little bit too much about my personal life, but I use a PC. <laughs> and so naturally, I'm uh, fascinated by anything that Microsoft is doing. What direction is Microsoft going in? What is Microsoft's future for a vision for the, uh, the future of compu- computing and connectivity and how we do the stuff that we do? And... Uh, if anyone is, like, seriously interested in anything Microsoft, you should have been in Chicago this week. Microsoft had its first ever major conference called Microsoft Ignite. And our friends at Petri.com were, um, were in Chicago, gave full coverage. And, Christine, did you have a chance to look at um, highlights from uh, Satya Nadella's the uh, CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nadella's uh, keynote speech? Uh, just briefly. You probably know more about it than I do. Um, yeah, well, you know more about it than I do. <laughs> well, you know, we can we, on this and just about any show to do with uh, being a webmaster or working in the search marketing world, all roads tend to lead back to Google, right? True. Even in this case, um, and well, in this case, we're leading back to something Google's been obsessing on, and that is, uh, well, mobile. One of the key focuses for Microsoft moving forward from 2015 is going to be working in the mobile environment and, you know, and the attendant cloud environment that makes, you know, mobile so quick. Um, Microsoft is looking at even more personal personal computing. Um, the the uh, in Microsoft's opinion, it's the mobility of the device isn't important, but the mobility of user experience. So you know you should be able to have uh, the same experience on your phone as you do on your desktop as you do on your tablet. And Microsoft is, you know, moving forward to to try to create that experience. (laughs) Sometimes Microsoft scares me, eh? (laughs) Well, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Microsoft scares you, why? Well, why? Because they're the monolith, and when they do something and screw it up, it screws all of us up. (laughs) And one of the things that that Satya Nadella was talking about was reinventing the process of how we work. And when Microsoft says something like that, I get a little bit nervous because I work just fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, so how might, how might Microsoft reinvent the process of how we work? Well, Windows 10 is designed for the way we work today. There's a quote from uh, Satya Nadella. Uh, Windows 10, which you know, we haven't actually 
seen a lot of yet, but they're really, really pushing. Um, it's designed to allow cross-type activity between, let's say, your mobile and your desktop. Uh, to have universal apps, and uh, I, I, I know you're going to get going on the, on the app story in a few minutes. <laughs> um, and what they're what they're what Microsoft is trying to do is use technologies like Skype for business. Um, and you know, Microsoft now owning Skype, they can implant it in any operating system they want. Um, so maybe we'll see things like. Uh, like Office 2016 working in Skype or Skype working in 2016. It's going to be all about cooperative collaboration. Again, trying to uh, reinvent the process of how we work. And I guess that kind of makes sense, eh? Given that, Christine, the peers that you work with on a daily basis, they're not sitting beside you, are they? The who? The peers, the people you work with on a daily basis? Oh, no, no, because I work mostly from home in coffee shops. <laughs> okay, and so you'd, it would have to be one heck of a coffee shop order for all the people you work with to be sitting beside you, right? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> and so having a um, having collaborative software built into your operating system might actually be, be quite useful. For a uh, in a world where workers tend not to work in the same physical space anymore, eh, it depends. <laughs> it's been around. Collaborative software has been around. My gosh, I'd have to go back and look at the actual dates, but I know it's been around since two thousand five, two thousand six. How many times have I used it in any office environment? Um, never. Well, indeed, um, I. But yeah, no. we, team, you know, project collaboration but no one's getting a document giving me a document I'm sending a document and everyone's working with it so I'm sure there are use cases for that and where that happens but well, let me let me ask you Christine you know, are, are, are you are you not using collaborative uh, 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 features of, of software packages because they don't function for you or because over the years you've learned to function without them no, I, I never found them very functional. I don't usually have much need for it. Um, the jobs that I do don't require collaboration, and uh, most of the people I know, even if you could collaborate, wouldn't. <laughs> you know, people have a sort of pride in their own work product, and, and most think that they're the ones who can do it best. Um, so, you know, the collaboration is mostly project-based, right? Here's a, like when I did website design, here's a design, let me pass it to you. What do you think? Pass it back. I surely wouldn't want someone editing my, my artwork or my articles or my um, SEO proposals or any of those things. So I don't have much use for that kind of collaboration. Um, I'm sure there are niche environments and use cases where it happens, maybe like an ad agency or um, a government office. But even when I worked in the government for three years, we never used collaborative software. So um, I just don't see that there's a huge, huge need for it. I think it's more market, marketing-driven. Than it is really market driven. Um, it's, okay. it's one of the selling points that they can try to get you to put all your stuff to bypass your qualms about putting stuff in a cloud. Uh, the, the problem I have with all the collaboration stuff is it all requires one apps that work in a browser, which I hate. They're never as feature rich as a downloaded application, and two, um, they all require that I share all my data in a cloud that's not protected in any way except by the company that decides to protect it. And how they decide to protect it. So, um, I, I tend to shy away from any of those kind of things. Oh, well. I don't use Google Drive much. I don't use Google app products. I find them all inferior to a, a real application. Well, um, so I, I am concerned that Microsoft's moving to this cloud direction because I don't want to be using Microsoft Word in a cloud. You're um, gonna love where I'm going next, then. <laughs> the, the, you know, the main reason is the applications just aren't as good. They're not as quick, they're not as good, they're not as powerful, and they never can be because there's limitations of the browser. It's not about connectivity, it's not about latency, it's about what a browser can do and what it's capable of. And so I, I hate browser-based applications, okay. except for things like email and stuff like that, simple things. But for com complex things, I, I don't use it ever. Well... <laughs> The cloud is, I mean, like it or not, the cloud is where 
uh, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Cisco, et al., are, are Apple are taking us, right? And I guess that's because it's cheaper. It's cheaper storage and enables uh, mobile integration much faster. Actually, it's probably more about, in my point of view, it's more about um, preventing people from pirating their apps. It's really what it's about. And forcing and people to pay subscriptions for things that they wouldn't pay a subscription for. I wrote an article about four years ago about it. If they can get you lifelong paying $49 a month for their suite of apps and you never own an app, then what happens when you don't have money? You don't have the app. So they get your money forever, your entire lifetime, and you never own anything. So... It's the sharing economy, eh? Yeah, um, yeah no. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> like it or lump it, whether we want to be there or not, whether it's going to cost us more or not, that is where they're, where they're moving towards. And when you work in the cloud, when you uh, use your mobile, uh, your mobile device, when you use your desktop device, you're leaving a trail of data. Yes. You're leaving a huge amount of data out there. How long you used it for, what you used, where you went, where you went when you were using it. Um, given that uh, Skype is going to be integrated into a number of tools, what you said while you were there, etc. Problem with big data is most people haven't a clue how to use it. It's just all this information that uh, that gets written gets lost because people don't use it, right? Sure. So what if Microsoft made it easy for you? What, to use big data? Uh, to use data, well, to use big or, <laughs> for some smaller businesses, it might only be relatively big data. <laughs> um, but to use the data that you, that you acquire through interaction with your customers or your customers' interaction with you. Uh, Microsoft is basically turning into a cloud ownership and hosting company. On, in, in one sense. And it's going to help you set up your own little private clouds. Okay? Like, this is the area that uh, you've had uh, your interaction, your experience with your clients where you've put the um, apps or uh, work for your clients to uh, use or, or review, etc. And anytime there's an interaction in that space, information gets left. Microsoft is going to help you use that information to create intelligence that turns big data into useful stuff and integrates what was otherwise a disconnected experience with users. Yeah. <laughs> well, what the, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know what? I, does I, work, I work. Go ahead. No, no, please, you go for it. I, I work. I work with companies all day long, big, the biggest to the smallest, and the no matter how much data you give them, to truthfully, it just bogs them down. Um, they don't know how to decipher it. They don't know how to use it. They don't use it. Uh, they don't integrate it into their marketing or website plans. They take little tidbits that this person likes or that person likes, and then they use that to help in certain areas. But I don't know that throwing more data, especially at small business owners, is going to do a lot to help them. Um, most have trouble even understanding like why they need to be mobile ready. It's sort of like wearables came out and everyone was all excited about wearables. And then you forget that 3 billion people on the planet make under $2 a day. And the only people that are going to be affording wearables on any regular basis are probably like the top 5% of the world. And then you realize it's not going to be a driving force until they can get cost down and make the process easy. And with big data, until you can get the process simplified to just give out meaningful info, just users don't know what to do with it and they use it incorrectly or not at all. Now, one of, one of the problems with wearables, of course, is that, that that top 5% will assume that they're younger and techies and they're all trendy, so they have tattoos. And then the, the wearables just <laughs> And they won't work anyway. It's, it's about... It's about process. There's all this this hype around all these new things, except when you get down to the process of a small business and the hours they have for a day, or a big business and how vertically segmented they are, these things don't actually play out in the real world very well. You know, there's a few people that will take advantage, but most won't know how to. So, um, private clouds I like, if you have control and an encrypted key on your private cloud. So, 
that's a different thing. <laughs> okay, um, we're gonna have to go to a commercial break soon. Before we do, though, I, I, I want to get get through the last little bit that came out of um, Microsoft Ignite, or at least the last little bit that we're gonna be able to cover today. You were saying earlier, Christine, that one of your problems with the movement towards the cloud is going to be the uh, what's the repurposing, reownership of of the software itself, where you'll be leasing it rather than owning it. And that is a big problem. Yeah, and and I talked to uh, the head of security for Adobe last year at DefCon, and and we talked about how they actually created their own piracy market. Because for those who won't do monthly subscriptions, their only option is to find older programs that they want to download. So by forcing everybody into a cloud mode, you actually kind of create your own piracy markets. Well, um, Office 2016 was launched at the Ignite conference. And um, like Windows and Windows like Windows 10, Office is going to be a cloud-based system. Yeah, I won't be using it. <laughs> however, however, there will be tools to incite, entice you. Come on, let me let me let me dangle this candy in front of you. See how you react, okay? Skype for business broadcasting. Have Skype. Office Dell for business. SQL Server 2016. Now, making making it easier to set up an SQL Server so that you know even a even a sysadmin could do it. Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't help. It does nothing for me so far. You haven't. You haven't okay, here's one you'll love: advanced threat analytics, monitoring environments for attacks or vulnerabilities. You gotta love that. No, unless that's meant for the actual IT professional. <laughs> no, because <laughs> then that's just a client mess waiting to happen. I saw this spike on my chart. <laughs> what does it mean? It means I can charge you to help you. <laughs> No, they try to fix it themselves. That's the problem. <laughs> Which means you can charge them to help them <laughs> because they're going to need it. <laughs> um, lastly, uh, uh, Microsoft will be tying an operations management suite. Effectively described as an EMS for servers, a cloud management solution for servers on any cloud, any hypervisor, or any OS that will make it easier to remotely operate a, a large network on behalf of your employer. So I, sysadmins may not be tied to their desks anymore. Yeah, I have a friend who's a sysadmin when it all started going to the cloud. His comment, and he's been a sysadmin with Microsoft for 15 years, <laughs> it was, who ever thought of putting sysadmin on a cloud? <laughs> I'm sure there's benefits to it. I'm not a sysadmin, I don't know. But my, I, my experience with anything that moves to the cloud or anything that moves to that online space is you lose features, and those features you lose are usually the ones you need the most. Well, um... So we'll see. I don't know, but we'll see. But I'm not looking, I will not be buying Microsoft in the cloud. I will be holding on to my, my older versions, and then when those are no longer available, you know, I, I will find a program fairy to give me one. <laughs> I do suggest this is something that everybody working on PCs needs to watch and needs to watch quite closely. Now, you know what we really got to do? We got to get somebody in, uh, in Apple to react to this. If they start giggling, then we know that, that they're expecting people to move to the Apple environment. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the other thing, too, and this is a very real thing for regular people and, and small businesses when you pay for a cloud subscription for everything at like $200, $300 a month, it's a real expense, first of all. Second, when money gets tight, as it always does in small businesses or for independent contractors or freelancers, you don't own anything. So like when I was laid off during the, the dot-com crash of 2001-2, if I hadn't owned my programs, I would, have been, I would have been completely unable to make money. No, honey, you'd have been waiting tables like the rest of us, right? Right. Right. The only reason I was saved was I got a $20,000 contract two months after I was um, laid off. And I only got that because I owned Photoshop and Word and all those programs. When you don't own them anymore and you can't pay for them, what happens to your business? 
Um, I don't know. You see, I'm still working on a Photoshop from like 2006. Well, exactly. And why haven't you upgraded to the cloud? <laughs> um, because the one I'm using is perfectly functional for what I do. I'm just a webmaster, not a designer. Exactly. Well, I'm a designer in Photoshop. I stopped with this. It's PS5 or 6. I have to check my version number. And I don't need to upgrade for anything. And, but I'm just saying that this idea of moving everybody to um, a cloud-based, those programs add up, right? Once it was just Adobe, now it's Microsoft and Adobe and whoever else moves to the cloud and you have to pay per month and you're already paying for your other prescription subscriptions. And, you know, pretty soon you're going to be up to three, four hundred, five hundred dollars $500 a month to pay for everything you used to do your work or your freelance or your work from home. And one day you're not going to be able to pay for it and that's going to have a devastating effect on the economy if a lot of people have that problem at the same time. Well, incidentally, and we're, we're going to have to take a break after this comment, but incidentally, like, if the business itself can't bear the cost, then the consumer has to. So we'll likely be bulking those extra costs into our own contracts in the future, which means, you know, universally, the price yeah. for tech services is going to rise. Uh, yeah, definitely. Because although the cloud allows them to offer enterprise level, at a lesser expense, it requires uh, people like us to pay a lot more than we would have paid if we just bought a program for $150. The last and again, one again, I mean, I'm, I don't know about your bank account, but mine can't absorb that. I have to pass that on to my clients. No, mine can't absorb it either. Um, but that's also why I right now don't use any cloud-based software unless it's the only version of it. And even then, I stay away from it, and I find alternatives. I found a great alternative to Photoshop that does almost everything I need and costs $79. So, okay, Now, luckily, as you, as you said, Christine, there are alternatives. And when you're working online, there are alternative ways to make money. I'll prove it. I'll show you right now. We got a commercial. <laughs> Here's one of the ways we make money. we got to do a commercial here on webmasterradio.fm. Friends, you're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 7th of May, 2015. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Joined by the wonderful Christine Schackinger. Woo! Ah. And stick around. We're coming back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. If you are a digital marketer, you don't want to miss this. You can join millions of digital marketers now having free access to the Click It Summit, the worldwide professional digital marketing online summit. Their four-day search marketing summit is coming up on May 25th through the 28th. Register for free at clickitsummit.com forward slash search marketing. No matter where you are located, you can participate from the comfort of your own computer. Again, register for free at clickitsummit.com forward slash search marketing. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. The Web Marketing Association presents Great Moments in Website History. 1994, Trey G browses with a high-speed 56K modem. 1997, Donnie W discovers scrolling. 2006, Smudges the Cat becomes an animated GIF. What is your great moment in website history? The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. The call for entries has begun, and the deadline to enter is May 29th, 2015. 
Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 7th of May, 2015. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by the wonderful Christine Schackinger. Yes. I'm so careful <laughs> every time I say that. I mean, I don't want you to be like that poor Simon Hesselton fellow, eh? <laughs> it's okay. I said his wrong for a long time. <laughs> yeah, but did you, did you do it with glee? Uh, happily. <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay. Speaking of other mistakes that we just keep making over and over and over again, because we're human, <laughs> right? And humans like, I don't know what's about it. Bald apes, I don't know what's the matter with us, but we seem to only be able to concentrate on a couple of essential things at any given time. Yeah. And recently, webmasters and, uh, and search marketing professionals have been seriously focused on, well, a couple of black and white animals, a bird and a bear. Panda and penguin have been like the obsession for what, the last 18, 24 months or so? Uh, April 2012. <laughs> oh my god, 36 months? We've been that was 30... the first penguin, yeah. There was a panda before, but they didn't call it that. So, so three. I, I, honestly, Christine, I hadn't realized it's been three years. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. it's been a long time. So, uh, Jennifer Slag over at uh, the SEM Post today wrote an editorial saying enough's enough folks why don't we start looking at the you know she said 498 I think she might be underestimating a bit but <laughs> at the other signals besides panda panda and penguin well she was actually referring to the number of changes from last year so but okay. yeah there are there are 500 main points on the algorithm if you talk to some of the people that work on the, the team so, and then there's thousands of subpoints. So, indeed. Okay. So, why? I mean, there's a lot of common sense in what Jen has to say. Why we've been focusing on just panda and penguin because they're sexy or they're confusing, or they're major changes. While the basics of of you know of SEO and 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 you know uh, and I guess SEM remain the same. You still have to have, like, you know, excellent page titles, good copy, uh, very strong site architecture, um, easy to follow from, like, point A to point Z for your, for your user experience, etc. Yet everyone's worried about pandas and penguins. True. I don't do a lot of client assessment anymore. That's, uh, that's more the realm of, uh, of my business partner, Alan, and his team. But when you, uh, when, you, when you get new clients coming in, Christine, do they, uh, do they talk to you about Panda or Penguin? <laughs> Hi, I'm actually, calling you about Penguin. Can you help? <laughs> actually, a lot of them actually know the names. They just don't really understand how they work. So they'll say, like, I have a Penguin issue, and we go look, and we're like, well, no, you don't have a Penguin issue. You do have a Panda issue, or you do have other issues. But um, so it is the it is the set of words du jour that most people know of but really don't know how to apply but that's okay they're not supposed to that's what we're supposed to do so okay let me let me put this to you another way and then i can answer the question after after you have on uh, myself but most of the problems that you come across would you ascribe them to panda or penguin um i have met few sites that come to us that don't have one of those issues but that being said um my audits run between the detailed portion run between 50 and the last one was 150 pages. Uh, so there's a lot more than Panda and Penguin in those sites. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the reason is most websites are not um, 
are not run through an SEO team before they're put together or as they're put together. So while the SEO doesn't need to tell you how to market, they do need to tell you, say, um, that maybe this type of technology to display your content would not be a best choice. You know, so uh, like a news site using lazy loading, which we now know Google doesn't read past the lazy load. So um, things of that nature uh, that they don't they don't check first. Um, also, a lot of technical issues and then a lot of architecture issues. Those are usually the three biggest that we see. Well, yeah, it, it's the architecture issues for us. We're constantly getting websites that are, you know, almost great, almost good, but they have, uh, you know, uh, a few blockages or the user experience is off or uh, the site architecture just doesn't make sense. They didn't have their 301 set properly or they got some subdomain way the hell over here somewhere that in reality everything is relying on. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh -huh. and, and then if you add to that, like with our clients, like just this week, this was kind of a, a new impact result. We always know it helps, but I've never seen it impact this much. And our client had changed their um, navigation, uh, the words that they used in the navigation. And so no, they were no longer um, relevant to their main keyword topics sure. or search terms. So uh, they used an alternative word. So they weren't doing well. Uh, on their impressions after we migrated the site. And so going through the issues, um, using something else we'll talk about, which is the new G Google Webmaster Tools format, I was able to see that there were three sets of terms that they were down on and everything else they were up. So looking at that, I realized she removed those words from the navigation. So we added those back. They jumped 600 to 1,000 impressions a day three days after we made the change. You know, there are some SEOs out there who will argue with you that that shouldn't make a difference. I'm not one of them, but I can yeah, guarantee no. you there's some out there that will argue that should not make a difference. You know, a lot of times, with all due respect to those people, they don't work on the holistic nature of a website. So they don't – it is synergistic, right? There have to be other things in place. If you just change the words and, you know, everything else is wrong, it's not going to make a difference. This site, though, is meeting most of the requirements of the algorithm. So um, just changing those words in the navigation and the subnavs uh, gave back topic relevancy as, as the, on the link flow on the spider crawl. Thanks. So um, we do think that that made the difference. There's nothing else that in the last three days would have um, accounted for the 600 to 1,000 impression jump. And um, it steadily has been 600 to 1,000 down since the migration, which was about two months ago. Well, I may be, you know, treading on thin ice here by blaming the media. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, might it be the media's fault? We've been concentrating on Panda and Penguin because that's what Google's been talking to us about. Um, similarly, with with uh, with Mobile Getting, we've been concentrating on Mobile Getting. You know, <laughs> maybe to the detriment of actual information that webmasters ought to be hearing. Well, I do think that Panda and Penguin are important for two two reasons. And one is um, Panda is pretty easy to recover from. They roll it out fairly frequently. Penguin is very difficult to recover from. And I do think at this point it's an unfair algorithm and it should be removed. Uh, we're now at another six months since the last update, a year of the update between those and nine months the one before that. And it's a business-killing update. It's not just a – Oh, you lose, you know, a little ranking, as you know, you know, you can lose your entire business because of that update. So I think it's important that that it's looked at and concentrated on. But you're right. If you're missing, you know, basic page construction, if your client has lazy loading and tabs and infinite scroll and all that's on the website and Google's only getting the first hundred words of every page, then your site's going to have serious issues. And then also there's, you know, page speed and, um, you know, how is your even just your content displaying with graphics and ads and things like that. So I think that if, yeah, if you're only looking at Penda and Penguin, uh, sorry, Penguin, Peng, Penguin, <laughs> you are you are missing a lot of other factors, but you can't ignore those either because they're so devastating um, when they happen. Isn't it amazing what being on the radio does to you? It's been three years, Christine, and you still can't pronounce <laughs> Penguin. <laughs> penguin. <laughs> so it's only because you're on the radio. Normally, you can do it. Like, 
I get, I get, I get Simon Hesseltine's name correct every time I'm off the radio. But put me in yeah. front of a mic, and it becomes Simon Hesselton. <laughs> I just like how you Canadians say Yahoo. <laughs> I can't even do you it. You mean Yahouse? <laughs> no, you guys say something like Yahoo or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Yahoo. Yeah, what? yeah, what? Okay. You just mentioned Google PageSpeed, interestingly, a couple seconds ago. That's a hell of a segue, because as of August 3rd, PageSpeed is gone. They're closing down the service, shuttering it up. Yeah, and just to be clear, so people don't think it's insights, it's not the tool that you check your PageSpeed on, but it's the tool that people have been using to speed up their their pages. So, so um, I, I would say one big lesson from this is... Don't use Google products if you intend to rely on them for long term because they don't usually last. <laughs> you have until August the 3rd to change your DNS settings or on, uh, well, on August 3rd or 4th, your site will be kind of unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> now, there, there is a new protocol that they're switching to for speeding up the internet so i don't know if that has something to do with it i haven't been able to find a good answer yet on the reasons why mm -hmm. um, but yeah if you're relying on it you know you need to move and i would do it quicker than later because you don't want to come in up in the holidays and so, migrating your website because when you they, change why would they close it down i mean here, here's the reason they gave okay Okay. After 4.5 years of service, the PageSpeed service team regretfully decided that the time has come to refocus their efforts elsewhere. That's it. <laughs> so the yeah. reason they're doing it is because they thought it would be good to focus their off efforts elsewhere. Yeah, huh? that's – yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no. I mean, basically they're saying, hey, you're screwed, but look, look, look at what we're looking at over here. Like, <laughs> why would they do this? Well, like I said, they're they're at they're changing protocols from the speedy to something new. Um, I name escapes me at the moment. Um, overall, and so the only thing I could think of is because this did rely on that speedy protocol, um, as far as I remember. Unless they changed it since I wrote the first article, uh, then uh, they would need to move it off because they wouldn't be supporting that protocol anymore. Uh, but why they wouldn't just open up another service and switch people over, I don't know. Except. Google isn't really in the business of hosting, so they got what they needed out of it, and you know. And now they're getting out of Dodge. Yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty much with any Google product. You know, if they don't see a need for it anymore, they just eliminate it. They don't have a customer loyalty issue. <laughs> <laughs> no, indeed. Well, what Google taketh away, sometimes Google giveth back. And another announcement that was, you know, also in the uh, the SEM post, and also in an article by Jennifer Slag, is uh, in today's SEM post, by the way, on uh, on uh, May seventh, Google Webmaster Tools launches Search Analytics Report. Sure. Sure, okay. <laughs> They're calling it Search. Uh, it was originally called Search Impact. Now it's called the Search Analytics Report. It's ain't in beta. Now it's. Uh, now it's you know it's out there in the environment. Go to Webmaster Tools, screw around with it. It's there for you to use. Um, but Christine, you gave it a good girl. What's what's your problem with it? Hey, eh? what's your problem with well, it? Two, two things. One, Google's got to stop letting engineers develop websites because it's like they have radio buttons, so you can only select one, but you can actually set multiples if you select something from the drop down and don't click on the radio button. So it's kind of odd to begin with. But no, I don't, I don't have an issue with adding the data. Hey, that's great. More data is always you know, a good thing for people like us who interpret data. But they took away data that was really important, and their graphing is very confusing if you're not someone who understands this stuff easily. So like instead of um, having one y-axis, it has two y-axes <laughs> if you're okay, comparing so you something. Your y you got your one, your main one, way over on the left side. But off on y the right, there's another y-axis you got to pay attention to. Right, so I was looking at first, and they also changed the colors, which is kind of important because it took me about 10 minutes to realize red was now impressions and blue was now clicks. <laughs> but um, So I don't know why they would change the colors. That's kind of silly. But uh, if you click like clicks and impressions, well, you'll see that you have, it looks like more clicks and impressions. And then you realize the left graph is clicks. The right y-axis is impressions. 
okay, I can get that. Try to explain that to a client when I take a screenshot of the graph. So they're not going to probably get screenshots of graphs anymore. And then the other thing is they took away the um, up and down green and red arrows to show you percent change and what's at a glance done well and what's done poorly. So the only way to do it now is if you take the data that currently exists, download it, and then create that change for yourself in some sort of other program, which, you know, great, I've got extra data. Unfortunately, now I don't have the general data I need to look at on a daily basis when I'm taking care of multiple accounts. You know, one of the things that drives me uh, crazy when Google makes changes, we have, yeah. um, you know, almost daily client calls. And uh, this, this, doesn't, this doesn't impact me as much. I, I just have to listen to it. My, my partner, Alan, Alan Kanak, he's an, he is an analytics expert. He was one of the pioneers back in, you know, the late 90s in, in measuring web analytics. And... He's kind of like, a, you know, he's, he's in his early 50s now, and he's earned it. He's kind of like an absent, absent-minded professor sometimes, eh? Yeah. So you talk to him. You know he knows his stuff, but he's, you know, hunting and pecking around looking for stuff. And yeah. it is just so painful when Alan, Alan has done this so many times. He does it by rote. Muscle memory. He, his hand just knows where to move the mouse to do it as quickly and efficiently as possible. And so we're on this client call. And he, he's about to prove a point, and suddenly what he's looking for isn't there anymore, or it's changed radically. And you can, you can hear the uh, gears grinding in his head as he's you know, trying to, well, how do I explain that it looks differently? Well, yeah, it is, and, it's, and it is difficult that way because the reports that I relied on are now gone. And the, the number one rule years ago that you know Facebook and Google and Twitter and all of them love to break is when you add – additions you don't take away other functions um, but unfortunately all of them just roll out whatever and that's the other bad part about cloud computing is you have no ability to say I don't want this change or I don't like this change and so now I'm stuck with um, in three months when they get rid of the old one if they haven't added it to this one of no visible way to detect ups and downs on mass across thousands of keywords like um, there's just way to do it we might assume that if you know consumers which means us basically complain enough google will make additions and changes and um i do want to suggest that there's a lot of people out there a lot of webmasters out there who are loving this new tool set they're into it they think it's good for them and this does give us the ability to uh break out data in a, in a number of different ways um by query, pages, countries, device, search type, dates, all of which we had before. But we can also get into clicks, impressions, uh, click-through rate, and position, and start mix and matching these, uh, these metrics in our reports yeah. in, a, uh, yeah. in a way that's easier to do than, than previously. But as you said, Christine, there's also important touch points that I think we've all gotten really used to using that have just sort of vanished. Well, yeah, and, and great, I can do a deep dive on something and compare a set of queries, but I don't have a call for that every day, right? I might have like once a month or something's not working right or we're not seeing the uptake we expect. Yeah, I would go in and need that information. Every day I would go in and look, how are, how are we doing on those changes? Oh, I see 90% of the keywords are green and up. Awesome. And I see 10% are down and bad. Let me go look at those. Are they an issue? No, yes. And then I go and look at those side if they are. I have no ability to do that now. There is nothing that allows me to do that. I have to look at every single one by itself. So I'm not objecting to the additional data, but I'm objecting to the fact that Google just took away data that was um, needed and was, um, was general that we could give to clients. I could give a client a screenshot of that and go, see, you're doing great. Can't do that anymore. Well um, darn, you know, I just had the best Twitter joke to take us into the next <laughs> segment, but it, boom, just fell out of my mind. It's the, the problem of middle age, huh? Um, there's only so many characters inside of my mind, but we're going to be coming back and talking about changes that happened at Twitter. Unfortunately, we've got to take a break here. It's quarter to the hour here on the 7th of May, 2015. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. 
Uh, on behalf of Christine Schackinger, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. Stick around, talking about uh, the <laughs> the new Twitter troll tool after these messages. <laughs> Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your one-stop solution for the web. Frogontop.com. Do you want to optimize and grow your business? Then master your skills in conversion rate optimization. Sign up for Conversion Conference Las Vegas 2015, happening on May 12th through the 14th. It's Brasco from Webmaster Radio inviting you to the biggest and only conversion conference in the United States this year. Join your colleagues in the world's leading conversion experts, including Tim Ash, Amy Africa, Lance Loveday, Natalie Nahai, plus 40 of your favorite optimizers. Learn to create persuasive content, design landing pages that trigger your visitors to action, and convert blog readers into customers. Come to Conversion Conference. The conference that pays for itself in no time. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get a $100 discount on their pass. Register early and get full access for only $897 when you use discount code WMFM. Simply register online at ConversionConference.com with the code WMFM. That's ConversionConference.com, code WMFM. Hurry, save your seat before they sell out. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 7th of May, 2015, and we are rounding out the hour in the next, well, six to seven minutes. Um, I'm joined by Christine Schackinger, uh, Dave Davies isn't in the house today. He's hanging with his dad, which is a wonderful thing. And I do want to note, Dave Davies' dad worked... Uh, actually, you know what? I'm not going to go there. That's all political. But congratulations he's, to Dave Davies' he's dad. He's an impressive dude. <laughs> he is an impressive dude. And the <laughs> political party he works for had a major breakthrough in the province of Alberta. Uh, Christine, could you imagine if, say, the Green Party took over Texas? No. <laughs> Well, we couldn't imagine the new Democratic Party taking over Alberta. The province of Alberta is has always been thought to be a Canada's Texas. They just elected a socialist government. Dave's dad was part of that team. Well, not socialist, not really socialist, because it's 2015 and there really aren't any socialists anymore. But anyway, <laughs> Dave's dad was part of that team, so congratulations to Dave's dad. Yay, Dave's dad. Okay, moving along. Speaking of, speaking of moving along, they went and changed stuff on TweetDeck that had you all, had you all like, buggered out. And I've noticed <laughs> that the same thing happened on Hootsuite. You can't Is tweet it, it anymore. You can't tweet your retweets anymore. Oh, by no. the way, to tweet it is to edit a tweet. To tweet it. To tweet it. So tweet what it. happened, Christine? What do they do? Uh, Twitter and its... Lack of infinite wisdom. Um, I do not know the supposed reason, except that way, 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 way back when Twitter was invented, you were supposed to not modify tweets. But had you not been able to edit and retweet, Twitter would have died on the table in 2006. So um, so that comes up every now and then. And they did get rid of it a few years ago, and I stopped using Twitter completely. Uh, they brought it back in TweetDeck, the edit with retweet comment. This one's worse, though. It, it takes your tweet. It reposts it like if you embedded it in Facebook all nice and pretty as below the tweet you're going to tweet. You can add 116 characters. You can't add an image because I've taken up that space. 
um, but it doesn't notify the user that it's retweeted. So if someone takes mine and retweets it with the quote tweet or the retweet with comment, I will never know about it, which to well, me makes it a... What's your objection here, Christine? Is it that you? What's your objection here? Is it that you can't mess with somebody else's tweet, or that you're not notified when somebody's retweeted your stuff because your little like uh, um, at you has turned into an image rather than a part of the tweet? All of it, all of it. I, I'm very, I'm very good at not modifying. If I modify, I label it modified an empty tweet. If you don't get that because you're a new user, that's fine. I mean, nobody's putting out something in a public space like Twitter that's so important that if you edit it, it's going to destroy their their world. Um, you know, you can always go back to the original tweet and see it. That's not a problem. Um, what they're doing though is they're taking out any um, notifications to the user. They're not giving you any credit, so you don't get any retweet counts. So expect everyone's cloud scores. Not that they matter much anymore, but cred scores, whatever, will go down. Um, and you can't you can't link on anything in the tweet. You can't click on it. You have to go and take an extra step and go to the tweet to do that. So before where I could just retweet Jim's great tweet about Webcology, and it had the link in it, and I would just say, great show, or watch this, or something. Now, I can add 116 characters, but no one can click on the link in the tweet. You will not get notified the tweet exists. And so, it makes it a fantastic tool for trolls. Because when people... Well, and actually, you, what's up? Hmm? Well, actually, no, I, I, you're about to hit on the thing that really concerns me. Um, Twitter has been talking about making a safer environment, especially after the... Um, Gamer misogyny gate scandal, right? I don't, I don't know what we're calling it these days. We'll call it uh, the girl hate scandal. Um, in the in the gaming world, um, Twitter was trying to crack down on, you know, I guess bullies, people who, uh, you know, push good commenters out because they're you know full of rage hate. <laughs> That's what Twitter was yeah. trying to do. So this I actually, this makes it harder. For somebody who ha- who is a victim of rage hate, or I should say, a target of it, to know that people are hating on them. Oh, of course, because at least before, when a troll was hating on you, they wouldn't use your name in there, right? Because if they used your name, you could search for it, or if you used your name, you would get notified if they used it with the at symbol. There is no way that I have found yet to search for these, so you don't know that they exist. So if someone wants to take your picture, your Twitter name, your tweet, and repost it, and you'll never know it exists, then they can do that. And this makes it an ideal tool troll. Troll for tools. Well, tools for troll. you know what? I would love to talk more about this, but we've just gone through a whole hour, Christine. <laughs> We're done. We're out of time. Um, we got more content coming up behind us, so we got to exit stage left. Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Friends, uh, this has been Web College here on webmasterradio.fm on the 7th of May, 2015. On behalf of Christine Schackinger, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Stick around. There's amazing content coming up on Webmaster Radio after the news. We'll be back next week. This has been a presentation of webmasterradio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.